This is Servant Marcia Carney with Escape to Heaven. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. His anointing is empowering. The kingdom of the Lord is within me. And He's calling Good morning. You have arrived. It's 1130 a.m. Monday morning, Tallahassee, Florida, Wave 94, 94.1. And you're listening to Escape to Heaven, Servant Marcia from Heaven on Earth Ministries of Jesus Christ. I was just wondering, who are you? Are you a remnant person? Are you a believer? Are you a churchgoer? Are you just none of the above and trying to figure it out like most of us? But if for some reason you are in fact what's called the remnant, then do you know your role, your responsibility, and even your future? I mean, do you know that right now, today, you are considered kings and priests? Of the earth. Do you know that um, the remnant often think of themselves as a type of spiritually elite <laughs> small group who hears from God and help and tell others or prepare in advance for a movement or an age or period to come? Remnant people believe that they probably are the only ones living holy. But they have a trace of pride sometimes. But this is not how the creative views that small group of believers that are going to follow Christ Jesus and have his testimony to the very end. The Lord plans to use the remnant to further the kingdom of God expansion on earth. So knowing that remnants are going to be or are currently kings and priests, what what is the typical role and responsibilities of a king or or a priest, by the way? Historically, kings uh, were solely responsible for the well-being of their kingdoms. Uh, the king is considered or the queen head of state and uh as such, they would, or, or even the nation, okay? <laughs> and they would undertake constitutional and representational duties, which have developed over thousands of years, okay? Um, the monarch must represent the nation to others. That means tell the good word, right? And to itself, and also perform visits across the country to listen to concerns, to meet people, Visit schools, companies, charities, societies, open buildings, promote charities, um, just to let people know that the monarch is working on the people's behalf. As a priest, the responsibilities and duties uh, include that of a deacon caretaking the properties, the vision, the mission, 
and teacher. But not only that, baptizing, administering the sacraments, visiting the members, ordaining them to uh, priesthood themselves, assisting in missionary work, uh, overall direction of a parish. Uh, not only does the priest write and deliver sermons, right? But even coordinate, supervise all of the assistants, the, the volunteers and people that are paid. The main role of a priest is to share the word of God with others, serve as an intercessor, love the ministry, the teachings, the ability to work well with others, compassion in serving others, respect, openness, sociable, desire to learn and teach, and maintain a personal relationship with God through prayer, not to mention generosity. So, remnant believers, this is what we are being prepared for, to be kings and priests. And um, we're going to look at Israel, see how did it go with their first king? Was he prepared? Did he have the ability to do some of the things that I just mentioned that a king slash priest actually does? And the first king of Israel did not function also as a priest. Matter of fact, he got in trouble because of that. So uh, the Lord told Samuel, the prophet, uh, that Saul was coming. And he said he would meet a man from the land of Benjamin, and that Saul was to anoint this guy to be captain over uh, God's people, Israel, that he may save the people out of the hand of the Philistines. So a king is also a warrior, a successful warrior, <laughs> a conqueror, an overcomer. Okay, so the Lord said, I looked over my people and I've heard their cry. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, that is that is the man. And then what Saul did, he took a vow of oil, poured it upon Samuel, poured this oil upon Saul's head, kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord hath anointed you to be captain over his inheritance? So that's a good point for you and I to remember that Israel is the inheritance of of the Lord God Almighty, the Creator. And you say, okay, when did this happen? I'll say it again. It happened when the Creator, God, came down and looked at what the people were doing at the Tower of Babel. That's when he mentioned that the people are of one mind and uh, that if I don't go down, let's see what they're doing. But we cannot stop them if they're one mind. And and that is when he... um created uh, that dispersion by having them all speak different languages. Well, that dispersion and the different languages also served to break mankind into 70 different nations. Now, the Lord himself had also a nation, and that nation became Israel, which was birthed through Abraham. So that is the inheritance that the Lord was speaking about when he spoke to the prophet Samuel. Now, what happened when Samuel anointed Saul, and this is in, uh, I'm reading the word of God in the 10th chapter of 1 Samuel, 
It says the spirit of the Lord uh, came upon him or will come upon him. And Saul would begin to prophesy and he will become a different man. So when the spirit of the Lord comes upon any of us, and particularly if the spirit of God dwells inside of us, behold, we become a new creation. And uh, Samuel prophesied to Saul and said, let it be when these signs are come upon thee, that this is when you will begin to serve the Lord, because at that point, God will be with you. Now, the question is, that's in Samuel, the 10th chapter. By the time we get to 1 Samuel 13 chapter, King Saul is not really acting the same way. He's not like obedient in the same sense or with the same kind of heart. So let's read it in the Bible. 1 Samuel 13 chapter, uh, Saul reigned for one year and he had reigned two more years over Israel. And at this point, uh, the sixth verse, the Philistines, you know, were attacking the Israelites. So when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, uh, the people were distressed. They hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and pits. The people of Israel just hid wherever they could. Some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead, and that's where Saul was because he was still over in Gilgal. And all the people following him were trembling. So what's going on is that the spirit of fear has now been released upon the nation of Israel, okay, because of the Philistines. So King Saul waited. Uh, Previously, the prophet Samuel had told him to wait seven days, and then the prophet or the priest would come, and he would perform these priestly duties unto the Lord. So King Saul waited the seven days. However, Samuel did not come to Gilgad and the people began to run away because they were afraid because they, to them, that meant that God was not with them because the prophet Samuel had not yet arrived. So Saul said, okay, bring a burnt offering and peace offering here to me. And then Saul, who really has only been anointed to be a king, performed a priestly function. Now it happened as soon as he finished presenting the burnt offering, Samuel came and Saul went out to greet him. And then Samuel said, what have you done? And uh, Saul said, well, when I saw that the people were scattered and that you did not come within the appointed time, I and the Philistines, they were gathered. So they were going to come against us. So I I, I I felt compelled and I offered a burnt offering. Now, Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now, if you had kept the commandment, the Lord would have established the kingdom, your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him 
to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So let's let's stop right there and kind of discuss what has occurred. It seems like Saul did a good thing. Uh, Samuel didn't get there. The people were going crazy. The Philistines were standing there. And Saul said, oh, my God, I might as well do this offering myself. How many times have we been called to one thing and and then not only did we do the one thing, but we did something else, not knowing that in God eyesight, that is called disobedience. Wow. And in Saul's life, he lost the kingdom that God himself had actually given him. So if we go over to First uh, Samuel, the 15th chapter, we'll see something more going on. Start at the 10th verse. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king for he's turned back from following me. Okay. Uh, has not performed my commandments. Um, and it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night, but God had already made up his mind. So Samuel rose early to meet Saul and uh, said, you know, Samuel went to Saul and Saul said, blessed are you of the Lord. I have command, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Now, what was this new commandment? Because this is a second instance of Saul not being completely obedient to the Lord. So God had commanded Saul to go and utterly destroy Amalekak, the Amalek. All right. Destroy them. Kill both men, children, women, infant, ox, sheep, camel, donkey, everything. Completely obliterate the uh, Amalekites. Saul, he, he destroyed everything, but he took what? He took Agag, the king, alive. And not only that, Saul spared the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lamb, everything that was good, that they deemed good. They did not destroy it. And this is why our father, the creator, said to the prophet Samuel, I greatly regret that I made Saul the king because why? He is not obedient. Yes, Saul did destroy the bulk of the Amalekites, but he kept their king alive and he kept all of the good of the sheep and so forth. And so what happened was, uh, we're back into the word of God, Samuel, first Samuel 15 chapter, um, starting at, uh, verse number 14. Samuel said, if you have obeyed the Lord, why do I hear bleeding of sheep and lowing of the oxen? And Saul said, well, the people brought them. Uh, uh, they did it um, to sacrifice it to the Lord, your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he began to say it. And Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, when you were not head of the tribes, 
the Lord appointed you king. And now God has given you a commandment and you did not obey the voice of the Lord. Now Saul began to defend himself. How many times have you, after God has given you a commandment and you didn't do it completely, you tried to justify why you didn't do it. And here's what Saul said. But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I went on the mission, which the Lord sent me. And I brought back Agag, king of Amalekite. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Now the people, not me, the people, they took the blunder. And they took it to sacrifice, not for themselves, not to eat it, not to multiply it. They took it to sacrifice it to the Lord. And then Samuel quoted the Bible. And here's what Samuel said. Actually, not the Bible. He's just quoting. He says, the Lord did not have great delight in the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. He delight more in your obedience. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. <laughs> For rebellion, and that's how God construe it, when you do not completely obey, it's called rebellion, is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. And therefore, he has rejected you from being king. What, what, what a judgment for a king. That the Lord himself said, Sam, you know, go and anoint this person as king. But now, because he rejected the Lord, God has rejected him. You would have thought that Samuel would try to repent and all kind of things, but not really. Uh, here's what Samuel, he, he said words, but was it from his heart? You know, he said, please pardon my sin and return with me. And uh, Samuel said, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord. And uh, as Samuel turned away, Saul ceased the edge of his robe and it tore. And the prophet Samuel looked at him and said, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel, meaning God himself. God is the strength of your salvation. He is also the strength of Israel. And Samuel said, he will not lie nor relent for he is not a man that he should relent. Now dig this. Listen to what King Saul now says. He says, okay, 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 okay. All right, I have sinned, okay? I've sinned. But can you honor me now? And what's that called? That's called pride. And not fear of the Lord, but fear of the people. Saul said, can you honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. And you know what? Samuel had a heart. 
He just, you know, he loved King Saul. He really did. He loved how he looked, his height, his good looking, you know, uh, came from nothing to something. Samuel really loved him. So he went back with them and he worshiped with. He allowed Saul to worship the Lord. Now Samuel says, bring Agak, king of the Amalekites, here to me. And so Agak came to him cautiously and uh, saying, surely the bitterness, you know, of death and war is past. He knew he could not trust prophet Samuel. And Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless. And he hacked him into pieces. And that's called obedience. Samuel never saw Saul again. What about yourself? Have you been given an assignment and then thought you were doing it, but did it your way, not realizing that the Lord considers that disobedience? Saul even had the nerve to try to justify his uh, actions. The 16th chapter, uh, the Lord is um, saying, why are you, why are you still mourning for Saul? He said that to Samuel. I've already found me a king. Go down there and anoint him. And so Samuel was obedient and he went and found uh, Jesse, told him to bring all of his sons. And initially, Jesse only bought six, not seven. And then um, he, he bought seven, not eight, because uh, David made the eighth son. And he says, look, do you have more? There's someone else. And he said, okay, bring him. And when David came, he was ruddy. Uh, he was, um, you know, energetic. He was youthful. He was strong, bright eyes, good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of the all anointed David in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And so, that's how King David came into existence, all right? And at the very same time, the Spirit of the Lord departed from King Saul, and instead a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And I'm going to tell you something. The Lord will make a pathway for you and I to function as royalty, and that pathway will be right in the midst of those that you deem. And you know they're your enemy, but God will have you right there preparing you for royalty. And so here's what happened. The servant said to uh, King Saul and said, look, I know somebody that could play the harp. So when that spirit from God come on you, you, you can rest and you'll be well. So Saul said, well, go get this guy. And, um, they said, well, we know a person, the son of Jesse, he's a skillful and plain, he's a mighty man of valor, war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. And guess what? The Lord is with him. Isn't that the kind of report 
that you and I would like people to have of us right now while we're on earth in training, learning to become kings and priests. And so Saul sent messengers for David, the son, and uh, David came to Saul and stood before him. And God allowed King Saul to love David greatly, and he found favor in his eyesight. And so it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take the harp and play it. And Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from King Saul. I have so much to tell you, saints of God, remnant, about how you and I are kings and priests to this world that we live in today. Um, That has always been God's way with those that he chose. He said those very words to um, Israel back in uh, Deuteronomy when he chose them. And if we go over to, I believe it's First Peter, I hope I can find it. But in First Peter, I believe that the Lord says in his word that we are a chosen vessel, uh, you know, that we're set apart, peculiar people, uh, remember that I'm, I'm going to read it. Let me just find it right now. First Peter. And so in Revelations, we learn that Jesus has made us royal. But before I read that, I want to read about First Peter, because that report that the servants gave about David, and this is before He is a king. I'm saying that is the kind of report that you and I want. And uh, first Peter, second chapter, the ninth verse, it says, but you are a chosen generation. That's us. So the remnant believers, those that are destined and in your heart to follow Jesus till the very end of this age and the beginning of the next age. You are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you and I out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once we were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy. We didn't even have a covenant, but now we have obtained mercy. So beloved, I beg you, I beg myself (laughs) as sojourners. We have to remember we're in this world. We're not of this world because now we have become new creatures in Christ. And so we are pilgrims. Uh, We are travelers. We have an assignment. So abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Your conduct as David must be honorable among the Gentiles. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, right? Which they should see glorify God. 
in the day of visitation. So we are to be law-abiding citizens. We are to follow the will of God, you know, meaning in our conduct daily, our behavior, our mouth, our, our, our attitude towards work and towards others. Um, just like we saw a priest, you know, get along with everyone. Why? For this is the will of God. First Peter, second chapter, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So we are to honor each other, honor all people, fear God, honor your government, be submissive to your, your employer, fearing God, be good, gentle. Okay. So why we are called. We are called and we are chosen. Christ has suffered for us and he's left you and I as an example to be the king and the priest. First Re- Revelations, the first chapter from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth and to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. I am praying today that you open up your heart, allow the Spirit of God to live inside of you, uh, submit yourself to King Jesus, let him be your Savior, your Master, and live as the remnant without pride humility and as a servant and intercede on behalf of those of this world in the mighty name of Jesus I declare it as a king I declare that you shall live holy and blameless and as an example as Jesus have been for us to this earth in Jesus mighty name I declare it I decree it and it is therefore done forever amen May you be blessed, and I want you to know that I love you, but Jesus, God, the Father, Holy Spirit, love you so much more. I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Bye. Anybody want to see you love?